guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Arsenio ZSL Podcast. Here I am today, and today we're going to be doing a reading. Now, luckily, I do not have to do the reading. You are going to listen to the reading. Guys, this is about Rust Belt dystopia. There's a, there's a little bit of target vocabulary that I want to just give you. Uh, automation. Now, with automation, I'm going to give you an example. If you guys are tuned into my Instagram. You would have so you will would have seen already that I automate some of my videos. Now, the videos that I create where there are two people, such as myself and someone else, I have to create those, and it can be time consuming about ten minutes. Uh, but again, ten minutes, I'll be able to put that across probably eight to nine different platforms, which is really good uh, in terms of content creation. Now. In other, in other areas, like such as with the podcast I do on a daily basis, it's really easy for me now to make a personal development podcast because all I have to do is automate it, put a little quote, use the hashtags, post it, and then put the podcast in my Instagram stories. This takes very, very little time, and that's one piece of content for about four to five different platforms. So that's automation made easier. Okay, and you know what's the best part about it? I use an app called Headliner. And what it does, I just put my podcast in the Headliner app and they send me emails from when it debuts all the way up. So I could wake up in the morning and I'd have about six, seven emails about different quotes, different this, different that, because it's all automated. See, automation makes your life easier. This is why I love automation, right? So this is what we're probably gonna be talking about in terms or what this specific reading is going to be discussing uh the rust belt dystopia obviously the economic restructuring smart decline tourism it's going to be a number of different things and again there are some big vocabulary terms in here along with figures numbers and jobs all right so there are going to be quotes in here too so just make sure you follow along i post some of the reading questions and whatnot on the other page. We'll talk about this. We'll do some critical thinking at the end. And of course, guys, that's what today's podcast is going to be about. So here we go. Without further ado, let's get into the Rust Belt dystopia. Again, if it wants to Rust Belt dystopia. One. The Rust Belt is a region of the U.S. that stretches from the Great Lakes to the upper Midwest states. Although once known for its booming industry, over the past three decades, the area has come to be characterized by economic decline, population loss, and urban decay. Regeneration of this region has become a staple policy of presidential candidates, often dictating the implementation of country, state, and citywide initiatives. This paper will evaluate the benefits and challenges of three such initiatives, increased tourism, economic restructuring, and smart decline. The factory belt decline. Two. In the first half of the 20th century, the Rust Belt was the industrial heartland of the country and business was booming. Transportation links to the eastern states made this area attractive to automobile companies, steel and coal mining companies, and manufacturers of materials for heavy industry. 
These in turn attracted employees, including many migrant workers from Eastern Europe. By the middle of the 20th century, the industrial landscape was changing. Companies began to move manufacturing bases southwest, drawn by the promise of cheaper labor and less unionization. Automation forced thousands out of work, and free trade agreements curtailed demand as the subsequent globalization and foreign monetary policies meant that coal and steel were cheaper to import than to produce domestically. Lee Ohanian, 2014, also believes that as domestic companies had faced little to no competition, they had had no incentive to expand productivity and were simply unable to compete with their international counterparts. The fallout of these changes reached far and wide in Rust Belt communities, as manufacturing was such an integral part of their economies. The area now had a much smaller share of manufacturing jobs in the country. This resulted in a decline in both population and the economy, which in turn produced a heavy reliance on social security and a deficit in government spending. Regeneration Initiatives Tourism. Ooh. Three. Tourism constitutes a major portion of most urban economies today, and the industry is a top priority of elected officials. Cohen, 2016. However, tourist attractions must be managed carefully to ensure they are of benefit. Rogerson, 2002, as cited in Isles, 2008 believes that if tourist attractions are not managed in the long term, they will not be sustainable or contribute to a positive image. An attraction in decline could actually be detrimental to an area. He suggests that in order to create a successful tourist industry, planners must, in consultation with local citizens, develop a total tourism portfolio, highlighting natural features such as waterfronts and urban parks, buildings of interest, and promotion of local culture. The portfolio must enhance the lives of inhabitants as well as visitors and create a positive image of the area to both build a brand and instill a sense of pride in local people. Uh, I like it. Four. Another consideration when using tourism as a means to local economic growth is wages. While a well-designed tourist portfolio can attract wealth to the area, employment in the tourism industry tends to be low, especially compared to traditional manufacturing jobs, and especially in urban areas. Latcher and O, 2011. This impacts on both the economy and on people's standard of living. Economic restructuring. Five. Some experts suggest that greater stability can be achieved through the production of new knowledge, innovations, and cutting-edge technologies, or being a light, flexible manufacturer, Siddiqui 2013, implying that diversification is vital for the continued importance of industry in the region. Six. However, diversification requires investment, and while tax reductions, incentive payments, and no-interest loans may tempt businesses back to the area, they can also be costly to local taxpayers. 
One company moved its operations to Cleveland after being promised $93.5 million in state incentives over 15 years. This worked out as $53,429 for each of its 1,750 jobs. Byerline 2012. Such jobs are often in the service industry, meaning they are low paid with few benefits and may not enhance the local economy significantly. Smart decline. Seven. Most Rust Belt cities, such as Detroit and St. Louis, continue to pursue growth policies. Yet there is a school of thought that reducing the size of the city would be more effective. Known as smart decline, this approach focuses on strategies that improve the lives of existing residents, rather than exhaust city resources, through hopeless efforts to increase population. Heinz, 2012. Indeed, Lee and Newman, 2017, cited a U.S. government survey that found cities with declining populations allocated the majority of their property funding to the care of vacant buildings. Eight. By disposing of unwanted buildings and unused facilities, the funding could be used elsewhere. However, smart decline has not been implemented in sufficient breadth to conclusively prove its efficacy in regenerating a region. Hackworth, 2016, examined 269 neighborhoods in 49 cities where buildings had been demolished. He found that in fact the demolition resulted in increased housing loss without market rebound or a decrease in social marginality. Conclusion 9. None of the three approaches examined in this paper have been fully able to revitalize the Rust Belt. Both tourism and diversified manufacturing have resulted in lower paid work and a heavy burden on city finances, although some towns and cities have survived as a result. Smart decline is untested in practice, but it should not be disregarded due to its potential benefits in theory. Towns and cities in the Rust Belt may well benefit from a two-pronged approach, using tourism and commerce to improve the local economy in order to increase the standard of living for the existing population without trying to return to population sizes of the past. Now that was a very, very, very long, and I mean a very long recording. Guys, there's so much that needs to be spoken about in this little, uh, in this recording in general. Um, oh my God. You know, Urban Decay, Detroit, and how the whole Ford fallout happened in America makes me realize, damn. So just outside the city of Detroit, where it, which houses the Detroit Tigers uh, Stadium, the Detroit Pistons and Detroit Lions, that entire area is plagued with violence drugs, hook, prostitution, and it's pure decay. Abandoned homes everywhere. Unfortunately, these abandoned homes, this is where homeless people tweak up. This is where women are unfortunately raped. But the government doesn't do much. So if we look at this, are there any areas in your country that may be affected by some of the issues described in this specific podcast? Now, what 
initiatives have been developed if if there have been these issues which ones or what is what initiatives have been developed or introduced to address the problems this is a question that a lot of us need to you know just speak about in general because if we look at it especially you know the industrial landscape out there in the mid 1950s the Charlie, you know, uh, steel corporations and everything, they were just pumping out. I think uh, Philadelphia was one of those places. Like back in the 1970s in the Rocky movie, you could see all those nasty coal plants just pumping all that, just fumigating toxins into the atmosphere. But that's what made up the entire city. That's what made up the income. If any of you watched the Denzel Washington movie, oh my God, Fences. You know, two African-Americans, again, one had gone to war with the brother of one, uh, you know, lost or oh, just lost just about everything in his mind. Um, but these were two gentlemen working for the union, as she said, the unionization, getting paid very next to little, but having to just pick up trash all around the neighborhood. This is what these types of cities were built on. And I think that ultimately, you know, cost them a big failure in the long run because they were so heavily dependent on just one industry. And this is how places, well, this is how a city fell apart, just like how Detroit fell apart. If we look at Thailand, Thailand depends heavily on tourism. Now, just a lot of people would say, oh yeah, the Maldives too, and other places. Okay, okay, I got you, I got you. But the problem is they focus on Chinese tourism. Now we have a problem. Because if something happens to China, let's just say an economic downfall or a plague or a virus, which is happening right now, that's going to ultimately hurt all tourism out here. Now, is that going to hurt the financial sector, the labor sector, the production sector? Everyone will be affected. So these are some things to consider. So she went on to say that most urban, or urban economies today, the industry is a top priority of elected officials. Right. So if we look at the attractions, the long term, it reminded me of, of course, the little of uh, what is it? The recording we did just like a couple of podcasts ago or a podcast ago about Medellin. Remember that they started building different things like parks, buildings of interest, you know, places to get the kids off the streets, promotion of local culture. See, these are all very, very huge benefits in general. And what this can do, she went on to say that this type of portfolio, a, a well-designed tourist po portfolio can attract wealth to the area and, of course, employment and tourism also. But she went on to say that the industry tends to be low in the manufacturing jobs and especially in urban areas. It's the same thing. Just as we said, you know, is your job a small commute away? So the economic structure in the 1,700 jobs, uh, you, you know, she went on to talk about a couple of other things in terms of like the smart decline also, you know, focusing on strategies that improve the lives of existing residents rather than exhausting city resources. Uh, this is something that's unheard of in America. You know, that's why I look at, you know, places like Sweden, Finland, the, Nor the Nordic countries, uh, and look at places like Singapore, they all do so well. You never hear of a, uh, of a tremendous slum in Singapore. You know what I mean? You know, I've never heard of a slum in Japan. So how are they able to so equally like share 
opportunity amongst the entire country. Japan is what? Population a little bit over 100 million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Singapore, I'm guessing they're like between one and two million, but evenly distributed. And this was the vision of a prime minister back in the 1960s, the first and the, like the first elected prime minister, I believe elected, uh, Lee Kuan Yew, who ultimately passed away within the last five years, I think. He had a vision of the city and he ended up making them the hub of transportation, the best airline in the world, the best airport in the world, the best transportation in the world, the best almost just about everything because he had a vision. But they don't heavily rely, you know, because the majority of their money doesn't come from agriculture, obviously, because everything needs to be built vertically. They don't have much land. However, they are beginning to build different land, and I think they're going to start expanding in the sea just, just literally right outside, which is really, really fascinating. Um, and it's kind of like building those islands, just as uh, Osaka Airport, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's built in the sea. They had to build, like, the bedrock, the rocks, the soil, everything. That, literally, that airport is in the middle of the damn ocean, and they built that. So it's very, very fascinating. It was just like what Dubai is doing right now was building their, you know, their islands, which is just, I just think it's so amazing. But nonetheless, Singapore, they have to get everything imported in terms of food, but yet they're still the most economically diverse country in the world. How is that? See, when you become so dependent on one industry and, you know, I hear so many different stories from some of these you know, these American football players saying, yeah, it was just a mining town. It was just this town. It was just that town. And then when those jobs go away, what happens to the town? It just becomes deserted. And so that's a very, very good reading. I would love to hear, you know, if you guys have any questions about this Rust Belt, uh, this Rust Belt recording, and I would love to hear some of your stories too, in terms of your own town. So with that being said, guys, that is the end of this reading. If you guys have any questions or if you guys want to do the additional questions, again, go to my blog. You'll be able to go on there and check some things out. And as always, man, stay tuned for more. We got some study skills coming up over and out.